0: Well, this morning, the sermon is on peace, as you just heard me tell the kids, and I hate series, because I told you ahead of time what I'm going to be doing, and that means I can't fudge, and I have to actually prepare ahead of time, and plan, and plan. The one thing that was frustrating in this particular case is I'm not going through a particular book of the Bible. You know, When you're doing a study of a book, you say, well, this week we're in chapter one. Next week we're in chapter two. And it's easy. But right now, we're going through nine fruit. And I literally thought, well, should I do it in the order that we see in the Bible? Well, unfortunately, God had me do self-control first, which was the last one. Then I thought, well, maybe I'll do it in reverse order. But then the no, Lord had to do patience last week. And I was like, okay, so we're going to bounce around, Lord. Which one? And I literally started praying on Tuesday. Father, which one? Which one? Thursday morning. Well, let me just read it to you. Thursday morning, in my normal devotion time, I was in the book of Micah. Micah is a a prophet in the Old Testament. He is contemporary with um, Isaiah. He's talking about the Uh, um, the fact that the rich people, the the leaders, are taking advantage of the poor people. And then then finally, he says two really powerful statements that have come down to us through the ages. I mean, the whole book is with us, but two that really, really speak to the church. And let me just read them to you real quick, turning to Micah. And for those of you who take notes, you're going to hate me because I have about 15 references this morning. So if you need it, I'll have them up here afterwards. I have notes, and you can uh, take them off my notes. Okay, Micah, chapter 5, first of all. Chapter 5, verses 2 and following. Chapter 2, chapter 5, verse 2, through verse 5. But you, O Bethlehem of Rapha, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for being one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. And as I used that in my devotions this week, on Thursday, I sat and I just looked at different highlights of this, these three and a half verses, and, and I, 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 I wrote it out in the margin of, I have a different Bible that I use for devotions, and I wrote it out in the margin <laughs> This is a ruler, a king. He's from ancient times, from days of old, and I need some study on that. There's some some scholars that think one thing or the other, but most believe that this is talking about Jesus from the very beginning, before time even started, from from ancient, ancient days. He shall return to the people, of, I mean, the, the rest of the brothers shall return to the people of Israel. He shall stand. There we go. He shall stand and shepherd this flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord. And the thing that was so cool for me is I was reflecting on this. He is the king. He's the ruler, but he's also a gentle shepherd. But he's a gentle shepherd who is working in power and in strength and in majesty. And they shall dwell secure, because he shall be great throughout all of the earth. And then the last phrase, <clears throat> and he shall be their peace. I understand king. I understand ruler. I understand shepherd. I understand ancient of days. He shall be their peace. That was weird. And I really chewed on that, and have been chewing on that since Thursday, even as late as nine fifteen this morning when I was in my office just trying to, to to sort through all of this. This is something that God has not let me let go of. And the challenge, the reason that it has been such a difficulty. Normally, I have a sermon in two hours, three hours. Normally, this has been days of wrestling with. And the challenge is because peace is a nebulous thing. It is like a gem, multifaceted. And if you see one set, one side, you're not seeing all of it. And so, to come up with a definition of peace or an idea of what peace is, when I when I read this, he is their peace. I was like, how do I? How do I define that in a term that people can grab hold of and go home with? How, how can I give them something that they can share with their friends? And, and, and so I, I did a lot, of, a lot of work with this this week. And the only thing that I was able to do was to literally examine the jewel by turning it around and looking at each one of the facets. And so the very first thing is, if I said to you, how do you define peace? What do you say? If somebody said to me, what does peace mean? What do you say to them? No answer's wrong. Yeah. It's like sitting in, in a river, or by a river, and watching the river flow quietly. Okay. Still. So, tranquil, peace-filled, almost silent, not necessarily silent, but a restful... Okay. Calm. Calm. Stillness? Anyone else? The definition that I got from one of the sources was peace is a state of tranquility or quietness of spirit that transcends the circumstances one finds themselves in. In other words, what you're saying, there's this, this idea of, of, of quietness or stillness or, 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 or tranquility or... or, or, or not, even, not silence, but it's, it goes beyond what circumstances you find yourself in. That's one person's definition. But how do I... Well, if I go back two weeks, I said to you guys, the fruit of the Spirit is a gift that God gives to the people of God, those who are... Uh, who are baptized with the Holy Spirit, who have, have, have been sanctified and holy, the Holy Spirit of God is like giving you a tool bag and then your job is to go in and reach in and grab whatever tool it is and use it. And, and I said that it's even last week I talked about the idea that, that sometimes you have to actually practice and, and, and exercise the, that fruit. Um, how do you exercise peace? Because, if you read through some of the scriptures, and I, I, I have lots of, them I'm going to read to us this morning, but some of them are commands. Strive for peace. Be at peace. Well, if I'm all ruffled up and frustrated and, and got a lot of stuff going on, how do I make myself be at peace? Now you heard what I said you to the kids. You pray, of course. You ask God to bring it, but. There's all of this, like I said, it's like a jewel, it's like a faceted thing. So the very first thing I wanted to look at was this idea of God bringing peace in, and 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 for me, that the way I describe it, the way I, the, the fastest that I'm describing is called peace with God, because that's when peace comes. I can tell you in my own personal experience, when I got saved, the, the night that I got saved at 11:30 at night. Uh, On October 25th, 1975, standing outside of this friend's house in their driveway, and I received Christ as my Savior, I literally was washed over with a supernatural peace that I can't even describe. It was like everything just just went out my soles of my feet, and it was replaced by the peace of God. I had literally been shaking. I was so upset. My adrenaline was so high. And when I accepted Christ, it was just like... And I can't make that happen. I can't force that to happen. But I've experienced it more than just once in the 40 plus years that I've served Jesus. So my understanding, my question is what is this peace with God? And first of all, um Micah 6, verses 6 through 8, and we're not going to necessarily read all of it, but we're going to I'm just giving you the reference so that I can tell you what I'm talking about. In this part of his prophecy, he says to the people, or he says he's talking about how God is demanding things from the people, and the answer, the question that comes, with, well, what am I supposed to come with? With what with shall I come before the Lord? I mean, when I bow myself before God on high, what do I come with? With burnt offerings, with a calf, that's a hero, with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of love? What do I do? Do I bring my firstborn? I mean, what do I do to get my sins forgiven? And the answer that God gave to Micah to give to the people of Israel was this, in verse 8 of Micah chapter 6, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Do justice. Love, kindness, or mercy. Walk humbly with your God. It reminds me, when I think about that, it reminds me of what Jesus said when he was asked What are the greatest, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is very much like it, love your neighbor as yourself. When Micah said the words, he said, walk humbly with your God. But he said, in addition to that, love justice. I mean, or, or act justly. Well, who are you acting justly before? The people of the world, your neighbors, your community. And then love mercy, your kindness. That word is chesed. That word chesed means to pour out a blessing on somebody. To, for you to intentionally be kind to somebody. And I don't have time this morning to get into what the Jewish culture thought about all that, but these were three specific things that God spoke through Micah that said, when people are frustrated and upset about their sins, what is it that I demand of you? I don't care about sacrifices, I don't care about blood, I don't care about oil, I don't care about... What I care about is you living rightly, loving me, walking rightly with me, and loving the people of the earth, and walking rightly with them. That's what I expect from you. Well, we recognize and understand in the book of Romans, we're told all of us have broken that. All of us have sinned and fallen short of that. And the promise that we receive out of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 5, is that He, the Messiah, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him, hear this, upon Him was the chastisement that brings us peace. With His wounds, we are healed. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross brings peace to us. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, we have been justified by faith and we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So, this idea of having peace with God is recognizing, first of all, you're a sinner. You've offended God. You've broken the commandments. And the only way to make it right is by pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. By accepting the free gift of grace that God has given to all humans. And as a result of that, Christ's death and resurrection brings that peace of God to us. That's what I explained to you just a few moments ago, when I received Christ for the very first time. The peace of God, which I cannot describe, washed over me and filled me in a way that I can't even be... I can't describe it with words, how glorious and wonderful it was. But Peter says to the church, may you get more and more peace as you grow in your knowledge. So what that says to me is that, number one, it's not a one-time thing for me to experience peace as I'm relating to God. And number two, this peace can grow and become richer, deeper, fuller as I become more and more knowledgeable about God. Now, does knowledge mean studying the Word? Yes. Does knowledge mean spending time with God? Yes. Does knowledge mean it means walking humbly with your God, like Micah said. So that's how I get peace. I ask God, He gives it to me. I get it to I get it because Jesus died for me. I get it because God brings it into my life over and over and over again as I come into closer and closer union with God. But when I turn the gem of peace and I look at another facet, it's not just peace with God, it's also peace with other human beings. Because I can show you in Hebrews chapter 12 where it says, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Is it possible to live a holy, righteous life if you are not in right relationship with your fellow human beings? Romans chapter 12. This is one that God has used powerfully in my life through the years. And there's, there's just a slight nuance to this verb as opposed to Hebrews chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The difference being, Hebrews says, strive for peace with everyone. Be intentional. Try to be at peace with everyone. Romans says the same thing, live at peace with everyone, but it says as far as it depends on you. Because see, the reality is, I may not ever be able to make it right to somebody that I've offended. They may not be willing to re re, re uh, to, uh, to give me absolution for whatever harm that I've caused them. But that doesn't negate my responsibility before God to release that, Because you can't have conflict unless there's friction from both sides. I was watching lots of YouTube videos about children's object lessons on how to describe peace, and I was amazed at how many people used almost the same type of object lesson over and over and over again using different objects. But one lady was rubbing her hands. And she kept rubbing her hands and she said, Now children. Some of these things were COVID-19 yeah. things. These people don't know how to do videos. Anyway, um, they kept rubbing their hands and she was saying, Children, rub your hands together. See how your hands are getting hot? See how they're getting hot? If you stop rubbing your hands, they won't be hot. That's friction. And friction can cause an explosion if it gets too hot. And I was like, that's cheesy. But then <laughs> <laughs> the other person, I put on another video. The other person pulls up two balloons. Children, <laughs> God, give me something I can use. But the reality is, they were frustrating me, and I was getting hot. I was getting upset, and I had released, least I said stop rubbing against that and then turn away from it so that I didn't get allow myself to get frustrated. Now, I'm not making fun of any. I'm not trying to make fun of the people. They were being very sincere in what they were doing. Um, But the reality is for me is, if I have a part to play when it comes to peace, I have a responsibility to not perpetuate the fight. As much as it is possible, I need to make sure that my side of the fight has been released. They may not stop fighting, they may not want to forgive me, but that's okay, I can't control them, but I can control me. And my part of it, according to Romans chapter 12, in striving for peace with others, is as much as it depends on me, I have to go that far to make sure that I'm not causing the friction, that I'm not causing the issue. Matthew chapter 5 verses 23 and 24, Jesus in his sermon on the mount says... If you are at the altar getting ready to make an offering before God and you recognize or remember that there's a person in your life who has something against you, leave your offering right where it's at, go and be reconciled to that person, and then come and offer. That's how important this is to God. Jesus himself said, loving your neighbor as yourself is second only to loving God, and being in right relationship with your neighbor is that's what it's talking about. It is so important that God doesn't want you to worship unless you make it right as much as it depends on you. Now take this diamond or this gem and we've seen peace with God, we've seen the, the facet that's peace with others, but there's that one talking about peace with me. Peace with me. God, and you already heard me say it, so I don't have to go too much farther into this, but God, when I'm frustrated, upset, ruffled, angry, hurt, whatever, and I can't get past it, the words of God are pray. With thanksgiving, and the peace of God, which passes any understanding you would have, will guard your heart. In your mind. And so this idea of having this gem of peace is I need to make sure that I'm in right relationship with God, that I'm at peace with God, knowing that my sins are cleansed by the blood of Christ, knowing that I have I have a, a right relationship vertically, knowing that I have a right relationship with others horizontally, but also knowing that in my own spirit I want to have a peace, a, a continuing abiding peace, which brings me right back. To the very first thing that I said in Micah. Micah's prophetic word is that this Messiah, this ruler from ancient of days who's going to shepherd the people, is going to be their peace. And I looked up the word peace there. Obviously it's in Hebrew, because I don't have access to the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And the word peace in that verse is the word shalom. And if you know anything about Hebrew, you know anything about the word shalom. Shalom is an all-encompassing peace. It is everything that is right, everything that is perfect, everything that is pure, everything that is unruffled, everything that can be peace-filled is totally encompassed in that word shalom. And as I read that word, and as I reflected on that word, there was a song that came to my mind from the early days of my walk with Christ. And it's from Maranatha Music. And you, any of you who've been around the church for any, you know, 15, 20, 30, 50 years, there's a song that says, He is our peace, who has broken down every wall. He is our peace. He is our peace. And I was like, oh, that's talking about my God. And I thought, no, it's not talking about my God. It's talking about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, where it literally says, He is Himself our peace, our bond of unity and harmony. He has made us both Jew and Gentile, one body, and has broken down the hostile, dividing wall between us. See, that cute chorus that's been around for 30, 40, 50 years took that phrase out of context. So I say, he is my peace, who has knocked all the things out of my life that are causing me harm. But that's not what this word is talking about. If you go to Ephesians chapter 2, what it's talking about is that God has literally brought reconciliation between the Jew and the Gentile. God has welcomed both the Jew and the Gentile into the fellowship of believers. There is no longer dividing wall. There is no longer any division. As Paul said, Uh, At other points he says, there is no longer Jew nor Greek, male nor female, we are all one in Christ, we are all the same, we are all acceptable in God's eyes, and that is the peace that, or excuse me, he is the peace that made that happen. So when Micah says he is our peace, when Paul in Ephesians says he is our peace, he's talking about something other than a cessation from stress or frustration or anger. He's talking about something much, much richer and much, much deeper. And I struggled with it. Over the last three days, I have struggled with this. I'm looking at the facets. I'm looking at all of these different things. But what in the world is peace? I understand having peace with God. I understand having peace with my fellow man. I understand having peace within me. But what is peace? night. I got frustrated. So I watched, I went back to, to, you, to, to Facebook and I have a friend who's a missionary who is now living in the Philippines. And he is, because of COVID-19, just stuck at home in the Philippines. And he was quoting his pastor from this morning's service. <laughs> and this is what he said. Jesus, as Savior, brings peace with God. Jesus, as Lord, brings the peace of God. And I wrote him and I said, this is a God thing, because I'm preaching on peace and I'm struggling. Give me more, give me more. And he went, well, this is just a quote from my pastor. um, I was just, he he was preaching out of Romans chapter 5, if that helps too. And I went, thank you. Done all this work. didn't give me anything extra. But, there, but I chewed on that for a while. Because I thought, God, obviously brought this into my life for a reason. I mean, why in the world would that quote be on my Facebook at midnight when I was trying to come up with the sermon? Mm. Jesus as Savior brings peace with God. I would give you the name of the minister who quoted this, who this is quoted from, I don't know his name. I tried, to, I, I tried to think of how I could possibly get it, I can't. So I just have to tell you, let your tank... Facebook, look it up, and then ask him. Jesus, as Savior, brings peace with God. But we talked about that. By his blood, by his brokenness, by his chastisement, we receive peace. Jesus, as Lord, brings the peace of God. And what I hear him saying there, and this is what Fletcher what said to me, was the difference is Savior and Lord. When you ask Jesus to be your Savior, you're asking for a transaction, a legal justification. Remove my sins. Make me in right relationship with God. And at that moment, the peace of God washes over you. But that's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's just the peace of God. This fruit of the Spirit that becomes a tool for us to use, to exercise, to make part of our daily life, it happens, it, it is received by us when Jesus becomes our Lord. When we allow God to entirely sanctify us. It literally says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses. So that's the idea in my mind that the Holy Spirit comes in, baptizes me, hand me my tool bag, my bag of tools, and I now have the tool of peace. <clears throat> I'm getting just a little bit closer, but I'm still not there. What is peace? Okay, it's not just this wonderful thing that happens to me when I come into right relationship with God, but it indeed is a fruit that God has given to me to make me more like Jesus that I can then be a communicator of the gospel to others around me so that I to the world. It's a tool that I'm supposed to use. It's from God, and in my own walk, I'm supposed to pick it up and use it. What is it? And the Lord said, Mom, you do a word study. I did. No, you didn't. You looked up like so What was the New Testament written in, Bible? Greek? What's the Greek word that's being translated here? Hmm. Oh. Okay. So I went through every single one of these New Testament verses that I just shared with you this morning, and every single time, every single time the word peace was used, it was the Greek word, now I'm going to say it really badly, because I'm not a scholar, Irene. 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 There you go. Irene. I don't do Greek. But it looks like Irene with an E at the beginning. It's E-I-R-E-N-E. E-I-R-E-N-E. Irene. Irene. I don't have that Anyway, the verb is "iro." The noun is Irene, or whatever. <laughs> the verb means to bind together that which has been separated. That's the verb. When you're told, strive for irony, you're being commanded to I Which means to bind together something with something else that at one time was together but has been separated. And this idea is well, no, let me go back to the quote, okay, because this is such a powerful thing. This word, arene, literally pictures the binding or joining together again of that which had been separated or dividing and thus setting at one again. And when I read that, it was like. <laughs> The glow started coming from the gems, going through all the facets. And I went, it makes peace! The peace is me coming back together with God. I had been separated from God because of my selfishness and my own carnality. And the end result was... Something had to make it right, and God himself made the provision for me to be joined again, one, with my Father. And then when there's a brokenness between me and myself in my own world, all I have to do is ask, God, I am so frustrated, I'm so angry, I'm so messed up, I'm so agitated, I'm so ruffled. God, I can in my own strength, would you please? And the Lord said, I gave you a tool, just reach down and use it. Okay, God. (sighs) And The peace of God is available to me at any time. I just have to pick it up. It's through prayer. And then finally, being right with the world. If I break fellowship with another human being because of my stupidity or my carelessness or my intentionality, it is my responsibility before God to strive to be reunited with that, to be bonded back together again with that person. And as much as it is possible on my part, I need to do that. But ultimately, it is a peace that passes understanding. It is a peace that is divinely empowered. It is a peace that is imparted by God to me to be used in my walk with God. And so when it says, He is our peace, I recognize that He is my all. Whenever I need to be fixed, whatever needs to be fixed, all I have to do is cry out, Jesus! Help me! I can remember early, early in my married life, I was working as a servant in a steakhouse. I was a server in a steakhouse. One night, I had a crazy crowd of people in the room that I was responsible for. I mean, it was, a, it was a, an old, old mansion-style house, and so there were various rooms, and each waiter had their own room with like four or five tables that they were responsible for. And my room was just going nuts. These were all just crazy people, and I hated them. And I, really, I mean, I really did. It was a bad night. And, and I had one person that was just being you know, a jerk. And you know you can't be a jerk back because you get fired. And I remember distinctly I was like 20 years old, maybe 20. No, I mean we were married, so I had to be at least 21 years old. And I was serving alcohol all the time, so I had to be 21 years old. Um, uh, I, I walked out of the room and I just went around the corner and I stood behind this big tall silk plant and I closed my eyes and I said, Jesus, I need you. Because right now I'm gonna rip that person's face off. <laughs> I am so frustrated right now. And I need you because I can't be kind, I can't show love, I can't, I'm so angry with the way they're treating me. Please help me. And I can't explain anything other than all of my anger just washed away. Thank you, Lord. Now, can I say it was that same experience as what I had on that night in October twenty fifth, nineteen seventy five? I can't say today it's that. That the peace of God came and washed over me. But I can tell you that God was able to do a transaction in my heart where the the anger and the frustration was gone and I was able to go back into that room and still be kind. And still be attentive and still be intentional to serve that person to the best of my ability. Again, going back to what Romans chapter 12 says, as much as it depends on you, be at peace. And so I encourage you I have no idea the things that you've been facing. I have no idea the things you're carrying. I have no idea the relationships that are broken in your life. But if any of that's true, and if any of this is ringing true in your heart right now, don't ignore this. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to dig around and and open up that little cuss pocket that's down there. And clean it out. Because the reality is, you don't deal with it now, you're going to stand before Him and have to explain why you were rebellious and wouldn't allow the Holy Spirit to bring about Christ's likeness in that area. And again, it doesn't say you have to come into complete, whole bonding with the person or persons. It simply says, as much as it depends on you, be at peace. But you can trust that God will give it to you if you need it, and if you ask for it. Thank you, God. Because you make life worth living. And, and, and I can't fix all the stuff. But I can come to you when I have that problem. Be anxious for nothing, you said, but in everything. My prayer and petition with thanksgiving make my request known to you. Not only will I get the things that I'm needing, but you'll also provide with me, to me, the peace that will guard my heart and my mind as I go through whatever it is that I'm going through. And I thank you that it can happen even on a Sunday morning, 40 minutes before the service, when I'm tired and distracted and frustrated and allowing my circumstances to get me agitated. I thank you that I can just cry out right even in that moment and receive from you the peace that I need so that I can do the work that you've called me to do. I pray, Father, this thing for every one of my brothers and sisters in this room. Help them, God, to walk in integrity and honor and to walk in a way that brings glory to your name, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.